listening to The Watchers, a show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey watch TV about New Jersey. I'm Andrea. And I'm Jody. And this season, we're talking about the Showtime series, Yellow Jackets. However, they gave us a week off, which we didn't want. And so <laughs> instead, Andrea and I decided to take inspiration from uh, some of the references in the show. And we chose one. And we chose Rosemary's Baby. So we watched that and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit last week about why we chose this one in particular. Um, it's a movie that neither one of us had seen before. And so I think our understanding of it um, <laughs> just as being a horror movie that deals with pregnancy. Um, and also, of course, we know that the poster is one of the first things you see in Van Shop. It's also just one of the most like iconic movie posters, I think, yes. of all time. Um, and so... That was kind of as much thought as we put into it. Um, I'm still glad we picked it. Yeah, I am too. Although I think at the top we need to do some uh, content warnings that yeah, I wish yeah, I had had before watching the movie. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's what happens when you do zero research. <laughs> um, so just a little content warning here. Uh, this movie deals with and we will be talking about concepts of rape and sexual assault. Um, the director of this movie also has... Um, uh, content warning of his own so we will be talking about that stuff but um to please take care don't listen if you don't feel like you want to hear about that today um there's also um something i didn't expect um just a lot of like uh kind of like medical trauma specifically around how women are treated oh, yeah. in in medicine that i think is if you didn't watch the movie and you're just coming in to listen to this, you might also want to know at the top. Yeah, um, that's, that's fair. I think those are the big ones. For sure. Um, I think I just kind of assumed, I was like, well, if people are watching Yellow Jackets with us, all of the same content warnings that apply to Yellow Jackets apply to our podcast and will likely, you know, like should cover everything. But, but no. But no. <laughs> but no. <laughs> but no. Um, so, yeah, I am still glad we watched it. I think that there's a lot mm -hmm. of things that a lot of interesting crossovers um with yellow jackets and also with the show that gave us our our name the watchers or the watcher Half, i couldn't believe how much i know i was like it was making me laugh thinking about how angry i assumed you especially just to i think maybe just to right at the top to say i think i do it's so funny to try to talk about this. This is the conversation listeners haven't really heard us have about the watchers. And it's going to sound very similar because I think you actively quote me if I'm wrong or not. Don't quote me if I'm wrong. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you actively on the whole like spectrum from good to bad. Do not think this is a good movie. I don't know that I would like say that. It? I think that. I think that I had a very negative reaction to this movie for the most part. That doesn't mean I think it was a bad movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, which I guess isn't how you reacted to The Watchers. No, I think The Watchers a is a bad show. <laughs> and yeah. for me, I think I'm, I'm, again, like I was with The Watchers, I am so perplexed by this movie and maybe even more than that, people's reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just kind of get something that needs to be said out at the top, which is Roman Polanski, the director of mm -hmm. this film, um, is basically living in non-extradition countries due to a, um, being arrested and charged with drugging and raping a 13-year-old girl. Um, in the... He also has other 
Um, was that 1977? Af- after the making of this movie. Yeah, 77. Um, he also has a number of other allegations of um, rape about young young women. Um, and so he has been, in recent years, not in the 80s, 90s, or early 2000s, but in recent years, has been somewhat blackballed from Hollywood. Um, and he is living in exile. Um, and uh, so, yeah. But still making movies. Still making he movies. has one set to release i think this year Mm -hmm. i think that another thing that i i hesitate to bring this up but i also think that an interest in horror makes some sense considering his past his history with um the holocaust so Mm -hmm. just just as a note in terms of like influences early life having an impact in the types of films that people make and the themes involved. Polanski is Polish from a Polish Jewish family. His parents were taken away by the Nazis. His mother was killed in a death camp and his, uh, he watched his father be taken from him. Um, so all that is not, I'm not saying that that is a connection to his, crimes i'm just saying that that may have some influence on his interest in evil um Mm -hmm. so just a few notes about him and we are going to move past a conversation about the director and move on to a conversation about the movie and how it relates to yellow jackets i'll say it did in ways i wasn't wasn't expecting i think we're not going to go scene by scene like we normally would with yellow jackets do we want to give um a kind of quick summary up top and then we can dive into the things we want to talk about. Yeah, I think we should because I also think that if I was not me and hadn't watched this movie but listened to this podcast, I probably wouldn't want to watch this movie (laughs) given (laughs) some of the content warnings that we just gave. But I do think it's interesting to think about this movie in relationship to the show that we're all watching. Mm -hmm. I also, we're giving a lot of, um, like we're prefacing quite a lot up top but this is a movie that people still count as one of the most, like, one of the, I just listened to a podcast where someone referred to it as one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Yeah. It's still super influential. It has a 96% um, rating on Rotten Tomatoes still, so. Yeah, so it's also likely that many of you have seen this. This is just a weird gap in my too. Um, my watching history as somebody who, like, does love movies and does love horror. And I also think that, um, like, I my reaction to it is probably very atypical in some ways. A, because it's 2023 when I'm watching it. And B, because I do have medical trauma. And, like, there's all sorts of things that I was literally triggered by while watching this. Right. So that is, that's a me thing. I googled, just to see what other people thought, Rosemary's Baby is a black comedy, mm-hmm. in quotes. And only two other people on the internet, aside from me, have said that sentence. Wow. Um, so I apparently watched this in a very different way than a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that part of that is this movie was made in 60, or was released in 60, Eight. 68. I believe. And I, I, I'm like, yeah. I'm well aware that like a 2023 viewing of this is going to be very different from a 68 viewing of this yeah disclaimers upon disclaimers (laughs) but uh you know we're two individual people that had specific reactions to this film that were a little different so should we just kind of give a quick recap of what the story is even about yeah i think so let's see how we how we do with giving a quick recap of anything (laughs) 
Okay, we could do this. Sure. Um, so this movie, we meet our protagonist, Rosemary, and her husband, Guy, um, who I think are, are pretty early newlyweds, right? Seems like it. They're moving out of their apartment. They're looking at a new apartment, which is this <laughs> gigantic apartment at a place called the Bramford, mm-hmm. which is a fictional site, but um, in New York City. But it's based on the Dakota. Yeah. And I read that it is named after Bram Stoker, which is very Oh, funny. nice. <laughs> yeah. It's the lo- the filming location was the Dakota, which is a very famous apartment building in Manhattan, which also is where after this film, John Lennon was murdered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the exterior shots. I was, we'll drop links to all of our sources because I think we kind of pulled from a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, I was listening to or reading something that the exterior shots are all the Dakota. And then when they tried to film inside, uh, the apartment was just too nice and they needed it to look a little scarier and the dakota was like you're absolutely not gonna yeah. mess with this building so um i think the rest of it was shot in la yeah I but, think so too. but the exterior shots are the dakota um yeah but all the interior stuff and then obviously anytime like those scenes at radio city music hall and all obviously all the exterior stuff is is firmly new york which is what i said last week when i was like what is this is this like a new england movie i think because i think I thought this was a much more straightforward kind of like witchy movie. Right. And that's why I placed it in New England. Right. But it's such a New York movie. Yeah. No, it's not in Salem. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. So anyway, they look at this apartment um, in this building that their friend Hutch warns them has a very dark past. Hutch just happens to have so much knowledge yeah. about the Bramford. Hutch is into witches. All them witches. All them witches. But so Hutch warns them that there have been stories of cannibalism and Satanism and dead babies wrapped in newspaper in the basement. And they don't care. It's a nice place. They like it. She says, Rosemary says at one point, she's like, something like bad things happen in every apartment. Right, (laughs) right. like, do Okay. Yeah. All right. Maybe not cannibalism, but, you know. (laughs) Um, And Guy's an actor. And well, he's 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 trying to be. He's trying to be an actor. But they move in and then meet their new neighbors. <sighs> um, Minnie <laughs> and Roman. Castavet, which is just oh, we should absolutely make note. This um obviously Rosemary's Baby, the movie is based on mm-hmm. Rosemary's Baby, the book by Ira Levin. Mm-hmm. Something that kept coming up in all of the research I was doing was that like Apparently, this is a super faithful adaptation. Yeah. So certain things that don't necessarily make sense in the movie, it could be because we don't have the fuller context of what was happening um, in terms of like narration in the novel that you lose when you move to a visual medium. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's just something to keep in mind here. Yeah. So um, when they're being shown the apartment... You know, the furniture's still in it. An old woman has died. So we get a few clues up top that the people in the in the apartment are maybe up to something because there is a huge, like, secretary, mm-hmm. um, the, the piece of furniture. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, not a person. Like, yeah, yeah, there's <laughs> Very this, large this, secretary. <laughs> just hanging out in the apartment. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and... The woman who lived there before has clearly dragged it with some sort of superhuman strength. I don't know. Yeah. And pressed and placed it up against a closet door. Yeah. Which we also see lots of like um, dying herbs and plants everywhere <laughs> and uh, a quick flash of a, a diary entry 
that says something like um i can no longer associate myself yeah 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 so it seems like something bad has happened there right the guy showing them the apartment says that she was old she was in a coma and then she died so first of many comas we'll yeah a we'll lot hear of comas. about <laughs> and so um so they take the apartment kind of because they'd be crazy not to as i don't know what uh property rates and whatnot were like it or what i don't know what like rental rates were like in new york city in 68 but i still i can't imagine the size of this apartment that's ridiculous um, what they yeah that's ridiculous so. so we see rosemary in the basement doing laundry in this creepy basement where we've already been told that a dead baby was found at one point mm-hmm. um and there's another woman down there with her named terry they meet and terry tells them about their neighbors that she is currently living with who have taken her in taken her off the street she says i'd be dead if not for them yeah. she she says she even says like i thought maybe it was for like some kind of sex thing but they've been on the up and up like they're 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 above board they've been like grandparents to me right but she's wearing this necklace that has a smell <laughs> that they've given her they said it's for good luck i yelled and i think it was the first time i texted you as i was watching the movie because it was the first thing you know, for yellow jackets. I was like, oh, no, it's a necklace. Yep. She's been marked. Yep, <laughs> exactly. And, like, there's always, like, necklaces in these witchy things, right? Like, I think we just love a good necklace. We've talked we about love a good charm. Teen Witch off off mic. Yeah. <laughs> and the, yeah. the, neck, the big, huge, chunky pendant that she wears. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, and they don't, they kind of let us in on what's going on pretty early even though there is some ambiguity because we hear chanting through the wall oh yeah pretty early Mm -hmm. and it's spooky it's spooky chanting yeah and we also hear the cast of vets um or i guess we don't know it's them at this point arguing and one of them says something like i knew she wasn't going to be open-minded we shouldn't have told her Mm. something like that Mm -hmm. Uh, guy is really struggling with his career. Mm-hmm. We, we see that he's like up for parts and not and not making it. They're they're decorating this house. It's it was kind of like gloomy to begin with, so they're painting everything white mm-hmm. and yellow, and they really brighten up the place. And I know you'll have a lot to say about the um, uh, the decorating choices as we get a little <laughs> as we get a little further into the movie. So as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, I can't wait. Jody's gonna love this. I have so many thoughts. Um, <laughs> and one day they're coming home and there are all these like police out front and we find out that terry has fallen whether pushed or jumped mm-hmm. or what we don't know to her death mm-hmm. it seems that she's left a suicide note um taped to the window we don't ever see exactly what it says but we know her name is on it yeah and we see the necklace kind of prominently kind of laying on her as she's right. on the sidewalk so we see that terry has fallen to her death and and i think we're a little suspicious but then this is when we meet the cast of vets who weren't right. even home. Right. They come walking up the street. Mi- Mini cast of vet looks like a full on clown. Yeah. The makeup <laughs> is over the top. They do have a very like old people that like lived in New York their whole lives, mm-hmm. like kind of vibe to them. Yeah. Like to the, very... to the nth degree, but like, yeah. Oh yeah. They're definitely like caricatures, Yeah, but they're caricatures in a way where it's like they're, yeah, they're definitely like a character type. Yeah, um, exactly. And I think we kind of recognize who, what kind of people they are, at least in that way, immediately. Yeah. And they are kind of disarming. Like, 
I'm not, I, I have, I'm allergic to this type of person. I I don't, (laughs) I think they were really fun to watch. Yeah. I would have been, we would have, the second they walked up the street, I would have been like, we're moving out. Yeah. It would have nothing to do with me thinking they were witches or anything. No. I just would have been like, I can't have these people in my, no, as soon as they knocked on my door, I would be like, okay, I'm out. I could not believe how pushy these people are. So annoying. So I think this is probably when the cast of Vets realize that there's a new young couple mm-hmm. in the apartment building. And they very quickly decide to befriend them. Yes. In just the most overbearing yes. way. This was the horror part of this horror <laughs> movie to me. The horror is the neighbor. Having a neighbor. This movie could have been two hours and 15 minutes of these two people just showing up unannounced, and it would have been the scariest movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe it. Fully agree. But, so they go over there for dinner. Guy doesn't want to, but, you know, she talks him into it. The way the two of them argue is so, like, throughout, like, the whole movie is so passive-aggressive. It's a lot of both of them being like, well, fine, then we just won't. No, it's fine. Mm -hmm. It's fine. No, I'm fine if you're fine. Um, And they do that back and forth. Guy is really... Uh, guy really sucks. doesn't want to go yeah guy sucks from, from start to one. finish like even before all of the stuff he gets involved with yeah but but the important thing here is that he is not interested at all in meeting and befriending these neighbors at first yeah just in the very beginning yeah and neither is rosemary played by mia farrow who is i think one of the things everybody including me agrees on is she is spectacular in this movie yeah she is so incredibly like just like just like lovely and watchable like yes. she's just yes I, I was just so endeared immediately with her performance yeah so they go over for dinner there's a lot of int- really gross and interesting food and eating in this scene mm-hmm. um which is a theme i think we'll come back to but uh they go over for dinner and guy is taken with roman who is complimenting his acting in a way that is extremely unrealistic. Oh, yeah. But Guy eats it right up along with that cheesecake. Ugh. I We talked about this before we started, but I do also have misophonia. Um, <laughs> Melanie Linsky and I have that in common. And uh, I there's so much disgusting eating in this show, in this movie. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but by the time they leave, Guy is like, yeah, I like this guy. I'm going back tomorrow night. Um, going back tomorrow night? Yeah. And Rosemary's like, really? I couldn't believe it. She's like, I'll just, and he's like, you don't have to go, which is again, another like, yeah, kind of passive aggressive thing at this point. But she's like, yeah, I think I'll just stay home. Yeah, exactly. Don't like these people. They're fucking weirdos. And she's right. She is. She is. So we find out that suddenly good things start happening to Guy, Mm -hmm. right? He gets the, he gets a, a part in a play after the lead actor has mysteriously gone blind mm-hmm. just totally randomly yeah and then decides that he wants to have a baby yeah which i they'd been like it seems like and maybe there was a conversation about this before this or or maybe not but it seems like something that you know rosemary had it had been on her mind and maybe guy mm-hmm. was putting it off a little bit yeah um and so now he is suddenly very on board. Mm-hmm. They have a date on the calendar and everything. This is the part I hate. <laughs> oh, this part? There's so many parts. I know. But, yeah. but, but we get so, to how she gets pregnant. 
which is um, through some combination of drugging, poisoning, Satan, and like, I don't well, even know. I can't. Well, so this Help scene, <laughs> the thing about Rosemary that I like is that like, this is in general a movie and this is a scene that really i mean even before what you're talking about that really underscores how much of this movie is about a woman fighting to like retain her own agency and body autonomy and rosemary fights really hard for it she gets pushed around a lot but she is always aware of it in a way that i think Mm. is um significant for a movie of this time and for a horror movie especially yeah so like Mrs. Castavet, Minnie stops by to drop off dessert and Guy goes to get the door and Misty's like, please don't let her in tonight of all nights. And Minnie doesn't stay, which is the first Did you just call sign. her Misty? Did I? I think That's so funny. Minnie, Minnie doesn't stay, which is No, I think you called Rosemary sign. Misty. Anyway. Oh, did I? I think you did. Oh, God. We'll have to listen um, back. That's really funny. Uh... But Minnie doesn't stay, which is the first sign that, like, something is off because Minnie loves to be around. She does. But she drops off these two um, chocolate mousses. She calls them chocolate mouses, chocolate mouse, which is gross. They're, they sit down to eat them. And, oh, I think I did say Rosemary because I almost started to say Misty there. That's so weird. Why am I doing that? I don't know. And R- Rosemary says, like, she starts to eat it and she's like, it's it has a chalky undertaste. Mm-hmm. It's not good. And guy just fully like he just bullies her into into eating it yeah yeah and he's He's like there's no yeah well he's like there's no undertaste and then he does the thing where he's like fine don't eat it and she's like no i'll eat it great it's delicious like whatever but she gets him to get up for some reason change the record and that's it she asked him to flip the record over and um she dumps the moose into a napkin because she's smart and she doesn't want to eat the fucking moose uh but she also doesn't want to have to deal with guy right not that i don't she doesn't think she's being poisoned at this point she just doesn't want to eat the goddamn moose no it tastes bad (laughs) yeah um but she eats enough of it that she's partly drugged um and he blames it on her drinking Mm -hmm. and he's like oh you know let's get you to bed and then that's when we have the scene you're talking about yeah which um, I don't really feel like going into great detail about. The the thing that's interesting about this movie is, there are a few things, but the thing for this moment is I thought we were going to be set up to being unsure of whether or not Rosemary's right. Like, is this stuff in her head? Is it really happening? But they kind of, they they don't. We're kind of with Rosemary in terms of like, we believe her because we see what's happening and it's, it just is like that's yeah although i have seen interviews with polanski that where he says that to him there's still the possibility that it is pre postpartum psychosis <laughs> yeah i mean he's wrong then he's watching his own movie wrong because there's no way she in fact the one thing that happens in this scene that needs to be said is she says this is no dream yeah this is really yeah. <laughs> happening which is so f- i it was one of those things where it's like that scene is horrific um and we should probably say what's happening in case people haven't seen it but basically uh, she like has ingested some drug from the chocolate mousse and suddenly she's hallucinating and then she realizes she's surrounded by a group of 
old creepy naked people old naked people and she and her husband and her husband and she is being raped by satan essentially i don't know if they use the word satan in that scene but it's clearly a demon mm-hmm. like it's got like it looks it's got like swamp thing kind of hands yeah. or like creature from the black lagoon that's you don't see more of it than that but it's it's got those creepy clearly, eyes oh yeah and you see the eyes it's clearly inhuman though. yeah yeah like it's it's not guy but the neighbors are there and guy is there and a bunch of other old people are there and they're saying and there are like a couple of lines leading up to it where it's like oh you got her too high mm-hmm. like certain things that are just like very matter of fact yeah that make it clear that this is not a dream (laughs) this is no dream this is really happening right which i think is interesting that again forget what i I can't believe roman said that that's crazy (laughs) roman i'm on a first name basis i can't believe plansky said that um because i think the thing that makes the the like tension in this movie isn't for me when i was watching it in trying to figure out if rosemary was actually crazy or not it was in trying to like was like hoping for her for to get anybody to believe her and right. to help her yeah well and so i think that's one of the things we can talk about this more later but that you could read this movie in both ways like if you really wanted to go all in and be like no this is about a woman losing her mind you could watch it in that way and you could you find think, evidence to what support. about that last that very last scene though do we think that's all in her head it could be do postpartum think... psychosis like and i'm not saying that that's what i think is happening but i, I think if you want to take it if you if you've decided that it is that you can use things in it to prove that i struggle with that because i think then that could be true for just about any horror movie where anybody yeah but i think that's what this is playing with right especially like... that last that last i think up until she crosses that threshold into the cast of apartment in that last scene um i think that a person could could maybe watch this movie that way i really don't know how you do once once you get into that that very last scene yeah i mean but, i'm not saying that but, this is the majority opinion but i think that right. because polanski said that i do think that like I could see, and we'll talk about the yellow wallpaper of it all later, but mm-hmm. I could see how it's playing with that. Right, right. Okay. Um, but so she wakes up the next morning with scratches on her. And so some... I almost think this scene is worse than the previous one. Yeah, because it's like, you know, he's he's very casually just telling her that instead of being like raped by a demon, it was just marital rape. It was just him yeah. having sex with her while she was unconscious. The The movie seems to understand that that is a problem. Like, yes. It's, and she it's seems not, to understand it's a problem. She's not exactly. like, oh, okay. He is so awful in this scene. Yes. He is so incredibly awful. And because she is rightly disturbed and he is so casual about it and he blames it on her he's like i told you like you know now you get cocktails or wine you don't get wine and cocktails he's like it he's so disgusting yeah in this scene. And no he is... and he makes a joke about how he's cut his nails since then and Ugh. blah blah blah. it's disgusting yeah. um but rosemary gets pregnant um and she's very excited and so are the neighbors yeah and they recommend a um gynecologist obstetrician to her who she goes to see um, and Dr. I think Sapper we are Steve. rightfully uh, suspicious of all of this. Well, 
especially because she already had she already had a doctor yes. like she had doctor um doctor hill mm-hmm. right but there's again so pushy about mm-hmm. it and he's this big fancy doctor but they'll make sure that they get a good rate blah 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 yeah and she starts really uh falling apart in the first few months of her pregnancy she's having severe abdominal pains she loses weight she looks like death um somebody which everybody loves to tell her yes how terrible she looks one mm-hmm. of her friends tells her she looks like chalk mm-hmm. oh she gets that she also um shortly after becoming pregnant gets a haircut yes and it i think it's worth talking about here because she she gets a haircut it's a great haircut she looks adorable despite, she's so cute with this little like pixie pixie yeah yeah haircut and it's another example of her trying to like be in control of her own body mm-hmm. like she doesn't talk to um guy about it first she just goes and does it and you just see every time somebody reacts poorly to it that she like shrinks a little bit yeah more like it's so sad all the men shit on her haircut and i think she mm-hmm. looks cute mm-hmm. um and and so we just kind of watch her waste away and be in terrible terrible pain mm-hmm. and her this old man telling her over and over again it's normal that pregnancy is supposed to feel this way and telling her not to read any books which don't read any books and i think he even says like don't talk to your friends like it's yeah yeah don't do any of your own research right don't have any knowledge just listen to this old man yeah so around christmas time they have a party and that's where you know she's really looking awful physically and her friends are noticing and she's got like it's a party where purposely the old people next door aren't invited. It's all of her young friends. And that's all Rosemary's doing. Like, yeah. Guy wakes up. It's early. He's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm planning a party. And you've got to be under 60 to be in. And it's our friends. And it's, again, it's another instance of her trying to assert herself yeah. and to get a little bit of her life back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at the party, at towards the end, there's a scene where her female friends kind of corner slash protect her in the kitchen. Um <sighs> It's really kind of heartbreaking to watch them all. I mean, it's encouraging in that moment to watch them all rally around her. And they literally bar the mm-hmm. door. Like, they push Guy out. Yeah. And she has this protective circle for just a moment. Yeah. And they're all telling her, like, this isn't normal. You've got to go to a new doctor. Like, you shouldn't be feeling this way. And. Yeah. One of them says, like, pain is your. It's pain like, a like warning that sign. is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a warning that something is wrong. And this is what Which motivates is, her to confront Guy after the party and say, I'm going to another doctor. Pain isn't normal. Um, and Guy argues. I wish she would lie to him more often. I know. It would make things a little easier. <laughs> but yeah, so he's, he argues against it and says that Dr. Saperstein would be offended. And then as they're arguing, the pain stops suddenly and she feels the baby move. Which is is now a time to ask what do you think is going on there i this was a little bit fuzzy to me like why this argument is what makes that happen like the only thing and this is me being an idiot but the only thing that makes sense to me is like she's carrying a demon baby and so like maybe the demon baby is like shit That's what I thought, too, that, like, either the demon baby or Satan, who I just assume has the power to be connected and know that this is happening. I thought the same thing, but then I was like, so then the pain isn't – I mean, it's not – again, I also agree that a pregnant woman shouldn't be feeling this way. But I thought the pain was like, well, that's what happens when you're growing a demon baby in your body. It's going to hurt more. Um, Yeah, this made no sense to me. If they can turn it – yeah. it's. I mean, I think it was just a way to get her to – 
for the movie's sake like for her to calm down in that moment i don't know yeah and she's to like identify so, with so the baby happy. yeah she's so so happy yeah exactly hutch is also at the party so he sees how poorly she's doing and afterwards she gets a phone call from him right uh, and he asks her to meet him the next day at 11 mm -hmm. outside the time life building um i love all the scenes of new york in the 60s it just <laughs> makes me happy but um he won't explain why but uh it seems that he is catching on to some of this mm -hmm. and so um and we know he's the one who warned her about the building in the first place right so she goes to meet him the next morning um and he doesn't show so she calls she, him it's such a sad little scene of her like kind of just like walking around looking for him at one point an older man starts walking her way and my heart leapt i was so happy i was just like so desperate for this woman to have like one ally in all of this nope um but it's not him nope he never shows he never shows she calls him and she gets someone who is a friend of his named grace cardiff who tells mm -hmm. him tells her that he has taken ill unexpectedly and fallen into a coma. Um, right. And right after the phone call, uh, we should mention, Guy suddenly gets a hankering for ice cream. She gets the she gets a phone call. She says, oh, it was Hutch. He wanted to talk to me. He wants to talk to me tomorrow. Mm. And then he and then um, Guy is like, weirdest thing. I really could go for an ice cream cone. Do you want one? And he goes out. Oh, right, and then right, right. Yes. I the next morning, Hutch, Hutch doesn't show. Right. Yes, exactly. And during that outing where she's going to meet Hutch, um, she, because it's around Christmas time, I think she sees like oh, a nativity God, scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she sees a nativity scene. I think that the sort of Virgin Mary imagery has kind of come back a number of times. And then um, fucking what's her face? Goddamn mini cast mini of vets. Shows These up. people... I, again, this is bad enough. As somebody who, like, sometimes I just want to go shopping by myself and not have to look or talk to anybody I know. I can't even wander around New York fucking city without this woman tracking me down. Yeah, it's she's everywhere. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I think we're kind of, as this goes on, it's that creeping feeling more and more of, like, there's no escape. They're everywhere. They're, exactly. like, watching. This is when the time jump happens. We A few months later, Rosemary is more pregnant. She looks better. She looks mm -hmm. healthier. They've they're decorating a nursery for the baby with lots of yellow. More and more yellow. More and more yellow and flowers. Then she finds out that Hutch has died from Grace. She goes to the funeral. I'm surprised they let her go alone. Mm -hmm. And it's at the funeral that Grace introduces herself and gives Rosemary this book wrapped in brown paper, which is one of my favorite. Uh, just a book wrapped in brown paper, a little book package. Just is so satisfying to see. Yeah. Um, but that's not the point. The point is no. that Grace gives Rosemary this book and says, uh, he, he says, to tell you the name is an anagram. Right. Right. He, he briefly regained consciousness before he died and wanted her to have that's this it. book. Um, and so it's a book called All Them Witches. <laughs> All Them Witches. All Them so Witches. Fucking funny. It I is. loved it so much yep and so she has her little uh nancy drew harriet the spy moment where I she's trying to figure scene. out the anagram she thinks it's the title of the book and then she realizes that it's actually the name of one of the people in the book 
She uses the Scrabble tiles yes. from the game of Scrabble they were playing earlier. It's a Chekhov's Scrabble board. Chekhov's Scrabble board, yes. <laughs> so she finds out that Roman Castavet is an anagram for Stephen Marcato, the son of a former Bramford resident and reputed Satanist. Right. That's a name we knew early on That's mm -hmm. that Hutch actually... Um, introduces us to along with like the trench sisters which is another great name and a few others and the trench sisters uh, who were cannibals right exactly pinned in that one um so she starts to freak out suspect the neighbors even more than she already was um and she tries to tell guy yeah he's who we know listening. is for sure in on mm -hmm. it like there's no question um at this point uh yeah he he discounts and it and eventually throws the book away. He puts it up on a shelf that is too high for her to reach, yes. which is so... It's like, not only are you part of this fucking cult or this coven of witches who've summoned Satan, and but now you're hiding her books from her in places she can't reach. You scum... It's like, he's just... He just couldn't be worse. No, he <laughs> sucks. He really sucks. So she is freaking out um, and tries to go back to the old doctor, Dr. Hill, to get a second opinion, to help her out, to, you know, protect her, basically. Yeah, there's a scene before she actually goes to him that takes place in a phone booth that is, as as I've learned, and one of the most, like, off-referred-to scenes in, in horror and just, like, film history in general. And it is... It's a really kind of um, stunning scene because it's the the thing about it is that it's one uninterrupted shot. She makes, like, three phone calls, um and you're it's very claustrophobic you're in there with her and you're just like you know you're just waiting to see the like group of witches come <laughs> up on the phone booth but that doesn't happen instead at some point and i missed it actually happening which was even more sinister but you suddenly there is a man with his back to the phone booth who you think is dr saperstein mm. and she doesn't know he's there and she's on the phone and she's still trying to convince dr hill and his like on-call person to to let her be seen um and in a total fake out, it's not Dr. Saperstein, thank God. So you've got a little hope. You know, Dr. Hill agrees to see her. She takes a car um, to his office and she very heartbreakingly, I don't know why this is the thing that really kind of broke me with this, is she asks the driver, she says, will you wait and make sure I make it inside? Yeah. She's just, oh. So relatable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But of course, he is not the answer. He is just another man who does not believe anything that she says. Yep. And he calls her husband. He pretends to. He, he, he tells to. her. Her relief in this scene is again when you know this movie's long, by the it's way. So when you know this movie long. still has like another half hour. Good God. And he's like, Well, go, you know, go rest. I'm gonna get you set up in a room at um at Mount um, at Mount Sinai. And you know, she thinks she's like finally somebody has believed her. Um and then Yeah, he calls her husband. And Dr. Saperstein, they come and get her, and they threaten to put her in a mental hospital if she doesn't go with them. Um, and so they bring her home. Which she... I think especially, like, even now that's a threat that nobody wants, but especially, like, in the 60s, mm -hmm. I think, like, a woman being kind of, like, quote-unquote put away mm -hmm. for was not the kind of, like, rehabilitative way that we think about it now. No, like... and I, just a historical note here, since this is my area of research. Uh, she, if had, if she had been put away in a mental hospital, her, all they need is her husband's signature, and they can keep her for as long as they want to, including right. like and, and take the baby women who were there in those situations for years because their husbands right. just decided they they were like done with the, that wife. So mm -hmm. that was there was no um, accountability 
they could have just put her away forever and taken her baby. Right. Um, so she tries to run away. She does this like thing with hopping in the elevator while they're she, scrambling on the ground for the things that she's dropped. Which is pretty smart. It is. She locks she, them out of the really house, tries. but she doesn't realize that there's another way in. Yeah. Oh, and at this point, too, this is the one thing that is sort of a kind of twist in the movie. So up until this point, Rosemary thinks, and I think we're supposed to as well, that they want her baby to do some sort of ritual with mm. that the baby's not meant to survive because we found you know there's the history of cannibals there's the the baby wrapped in newspaper she thinks they want her human baby that she and guy have conceived right and that they're going to use it's the baby's blood and flesh in some sort of ritual i said something about them wanting to eat the baby when i was watching this with my roommate and they were like nobody what do you nobody said eat the baby and i was like okay maybe not eat it but like they, yellow jackets has infested our brain <laughs> honestly i think that might be it you don't eat the baby uh, um yeah, but it, but yeah up until up until these last couple of scenes that's what you think is happening right and so um she locks herself into the apartment but she doesn't understand yet um that and we may have forgotten that there's probably another way into the apartment through the closet that the reveal that they are in the apartment is so cart it's so scooby-doo yes they just sneak behind the back through the door (laughs) it's so silly um but yeah the closet that the former resident had blocked with the secretary turns out there is a way into the next door apartment where minnie and roman live but yeah so she thinks she's locked them out but she hasn't they come in through the closet and sedate her and restrain her and then so during that she goes into labor and gives birth when she wakes up at first uh guy says that it's a boy everything's fine Mm -hmm. she goes she's kind of goes back into being sedated and then when she wakes up again he tells her that the baby was stillborn and basically um the doctor blames her and says if if we'd been able to do this in a hospital, I maybe could have saved the baby, but you just wouldn't listen. And... Right. You wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And they're so dismissive. They're like, but, you know, in a few months, like, you can try again. Yeah. Guys like, yeah, we can have more babies. It's like no big deal. Yeah. And my career is going great, by the way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, she also notices as she's kind of like in this postpartum fog that like they're taking her breast milk and saying they're getting rid of it. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. Again, another instance where she's really smart. She takes a dirty spoon and drops it into the breast milk. Mm-hmm. And that that one woman who is, I mean, they're, they're all, they're witches who have, you know, gotten her pregnant by Satan. So, like, that's bad. But this woman is the worst of them. And um, she's like, don't do that. Like, and Rosemary's like, why? Yeah. Because if they're just going to throw it out. And she's like, it's just kind of messy. But but now Rosemary knows that they're they're saving her breast milk. Right. And she starts stashing the sed- the sedatives they're giving her. Mm -hmm. Um, and not taking them so she becomes more and more like aware and able to move around and then she starts hearing through the wall a baby crying um, and asks guy about it and he says oh new tenants upstairs they have a baby but she's not buying it and she figures out the hidden door in the closet and goes into minnie and roman's apartment she grabs a big ass knife she does grab a big ass knife so this is where I hope what I don't know about this movie is that Rosemary murders a bunch of witches and saves her baby. Yeah, that would have been a good ending. <laughs> I would have loved that. Unfortunately, it's not what happens. No. She goes into the apartment. She sees a gathering. 
of creepy old people that are standing around chatting around like a bassinet draped in in black. It is a black bassinet and the mobile is like the like what would be like a baby like you know mobile or whatever hanging is an upside down cross. Mm This is, I scream. This is so funny. They had to special order that, Jody. You can't get that at a store. They made that for the devil baby. Yes, they did. So that you know it's a devil baby. Yes. They think, oh, probably Satan's baby will want a black bassinet with an upside down cross Mm -hmm. because it's the devil's baby. Yeah. And it's, that is so funny yeah this this scene is very i mean we'll we'll talk about the campiness of some of the characters but this scene is mm-hmm. very campy there's like a guy loading film into a camera which of course i noticed yeah you know <laughs> the there's a lot of like very over the top acting so this truly this scene is so funny so rosemary goes to look at her baby this is when she realizes and i think i don't know if i was just so like perplexed watching this whole movie that nothing was a shock or surprise to me Mm -hmm. we were also supposed to think that she had given birth to a regular human baby right i don't know i think at this point i was kind of like like assuming that because the devil had impregnated her that we were getting a devil baby a, like a devil looking baby well she wasn't because because i think i yeah I, I she was clearly shocked to see the physicality of this baby which we don't get to see right no just which i think say, is the, what have you done to his eyes <laughs> i think that's the right move because usually like those reveals um yeah i i can think of so many where it goes poorly so i think that's the right move she says what have you done to his eyes and then somebody says <laughs> He has his father's eyes. Mm-hmm. Satan. And then, yeah, yeah. Because she's like, what do you mean? Guy has, yeah. again, guy has normal eyes. Right. And they're like, well, <laughs> joke's on you, lady. Yeah. Guy's not the father. This, nope. This is Satan's baby. So they tell her everything now. Mm-hmm. I guess they figure she's had the baby. They're all surrounding her. Like, she's not getting away if she decides to try anything. Yeah. So they straight up tell her, like, you had Satan's baby, yep. and now Satan's back on Earth. This is year one. Which they say New Year's at that party. They say, like, 1966, year one. Mm. Um, so they kind of, like, hint to that. Yeah. Um, and they say, like, you know, you can be a mother to the child. You don't have to join the coven or whatever, but you can mother the child. Um, and she kind of gives in. She's, she hears the baby cry because that crazy bitch is one thing before that, that is so satisfying because guy says like, you can have your own children. Like we can move to LA now. Like we don't like, this was just a a thing we did so that we could have a better life. And she just spits right in his fucking face. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I loved, um, obviously little last bit of defiance, but that doesn't last Mm -hmm. because she, her quote-unquote maternal instincts take over it seems she goes over and starts rocking the cradle and and comforting the baby and did you think for half a second she was maybe gonna try to kill that baby i didn't um i can understand the film wanted us to think that maybe it didn't really occur to me actually in the moment i think i was i'm a pessimist (laughs) <laughs> and i was like no she's just gonna fucking go along she's with it. Do it it's the 60s Which is, yeah well that's the thing is i think the thing that was so perplexing about a lot of this movie to me was it seemed to be 
very aware of the issues it was presenting in terms of this woman being just like gaslit mm -hmm. like definitionally i know you kind of use that word pretty like uh willy-nilly <laughs> lately yeah. but like this is definitionally what's happening um in this movie and of this woman being like gaslit to hell and and again like we talked about medical trauma and the ignoring like women's pain and dismissing it and all of that is like are very real issues in the 60s and absolutely still very mm -hmm. real issues today in 2023 yeah. and i was like oh this movie like kind of gets it in a way that i wasn't expecting and a lot of that had to do with once i realized who the filmmaker was and also like it's not the commentary on it it's kind of trying to have it both ways in a lot of ways i think and then in this scene especially where it's like yes but despite all of that her motherly instincts right. kick in right and it's just like all of that is like the thing that is more powerful than all of that is a a woman's like instinct to mother which is so gross see and <laughs> i think like... you can see that part both ways too because you can definitely see that as oh her motherly instincts kicked in mothers above all blah 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 or you can see it as she's fucking trapped and she knows it like right she that's can't, also true she has no power in the situation it's either do this or end up in a mental hospital for the rest of her life and it's hard to see on her face exactly. I think she's wrestling with both of those two, maybe. Because it's yeah. hard to tell on her face what exactly she's feeling in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so it's possible that she is also kind of torn between those two. Um, I just, me, simply, I would toss that devil baby out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Knowing what I know about the psychiatric hospitals at the time, I probably would not choose that as my fate. Right. But uh, yeah. actually, I said I would probably toss that devil baby out the window. Do I? Here's something is that maybe this, I'm uh, not maybe, this definitely says a lot about me. I think I probably would go along with it and then move to LA. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, and then back to Jersey, which is where, even in a fictional universe, I'm going to end up. Um, but, uh, right. But, but I think maybe I would just kind of roll with it. I'd be like, if you guys want to keep that devil baby, like, well, it's here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Make the best of it. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have fun. Yeah. So that's the movie. That's the whole movie. I feel very weird about watching it. Yeah. Like, it's very long. It's very strange. I couldn't believe how long this fucking movie felt. It feels long. I felt like it took my entire life last night to watch this yeah. thing. <laughs> and I'm not, I mean, I have, I've always had a short attention span. Yeah, because same. Bio, like, I just don't have, but I'm not one of those people who's like, uh, I don't know. Like, I can watch a movie. This one, this one it's just three felt hours long. long. Yeah. And also, I think it's two, I think it's two hours and 15 minutes. It feels really long. It feels like it's three hours long. It feels like a three hour movie. The only thing that kept me going through this movie were the things that I was able to pull connections to this fucking delightful show we're watching. I've never wanted to watch an episode of Yellow Jackets more than <laughs> when I watched cleanser? this movie. And I know it's a classic and I know there's people that love it and I'm not a film critic and you can completely disregard my and opinion. And again, I don't know that either of us, I think... I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying I, I did not enjoy watching it. I think I just it just didn't feel like a horror movie to me. And I even for movies of the time, like, I think... Or, mm -mm, that's not... The things that were horrifying to me in this movie didn't feel like what the movie... Like, that... I don't know. I'm so I think the things that were horrifying in this perplexed. movie were what were supposed to be horrifying in this movie. But I think that it's different to 
write that and film it as a man than it is to watch it as a woman in 2023. You know what? That maybe that is maybe that is where the disconnect is. Because for me. this was filmed in 1968, and we should be thinking about this as like, oh my god, how awful! So much was so bad back then, and it's like, no, this is still a fucking no. situation, guys. Like, it's- yeah, or oh, maybe that's what it is too. Is this movie? Because uh, I'm looking at Rosemary in 1968 in 2023 as like, well, yeah, like this is the quote, this is a horror movie version of things that like women every day deal with. Mm-hmm. And is this movie holding Rosemary up as like a, an anomaly, maybe? And that's where the disconnect is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or not an anomaly. That's not exactly it either. <sighs> I just think I don't that know. to me watching it, I'm so reminded of like how fucked up things still are mm-hmm. that it just made me mad. It was like, it just, it just pissed me off. <laughs> it made me unhappy. <laughs> yeah. It's a different kind that maybe, maybe that's what it is. Actually. It's a different kind of horror that we're watching versus the, even though it's dealing with the same issues, yeah. the lens is a little different. This is like more than 50 years ago. Yeah. And like, Women are still prisoners of their fucking wombs. Like, I just, not to be dramatic, but. I think, I think this is, the, I think you can be dramatic. I, first of all, you're not being dramatic, number one. Yeah. Number two, I think this is the podcast for this. Fair. <laughs> so I, shall we talk some connections to Yellow Jackets and also some yeah. other things we're interested in? Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned the necklace. That was a big one. Um sort of passing it to new victims right yeah that was just a fun little huh yeah there was also last week we talked about the connection between food and being like and yellow jackets and the way that it uses food to symbolize like misty's poisoning habits but also like Mm -hmm. um the alice in wonderland of it all when lottie was at the um in the mall hallucination and didn't eat the food even though she wanted to and then made it back safe well fairly safely yeah and there's a lot of that in this movie, right? There's mm-hmm. like the sort of poisoning or whatever is happening with the food that's being fed to Rosemary by the neighbors. Um, and we see so much of like Rosemary's kind of quiet fight against them has to do with when she is or isn't consuming what they're trying to feed her. Right. There's and there's also scenes of her and... when she's pregnant and not doing well of like eating a lot of raw meat. More mm-hmm. like relatively raw meat. She's eating like a steak that's barely cooked. She's eating like liver at a party, yeah. at the party. Um, there's a lot of grossness in the food too, like in the way that the old couple Minnie and Roman eat. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of discussion. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I, <laughs> I no, just, like, I think I you're don't eat in front of me. Um, <laughs> that's just my problem, not yours. But yeah, so there's a lot of that. This is such a small thing but um in this scene where he decides yeah let's have a baby there's a leaky kitchen faucet dripping in the background (laughs) dripping but there is a lot of cannibalism referenced in this movie Mm -hmm. that um like and the dead baby in the basement and all of those i think are obvious sort of connections to draw to the themes of our show yeah absolutely huh and in a movie where we watch all along thinking maybe somebody's going to i think i actually i started to say this like it was a new thought and i thought it was but i just remembered a text i sent you yesterday which is that in a movie where 
all along the protagonist is most worried that these people are going to use her baby in some sort of ritual maybe eat her human baby what actually happens is she gives birth to a little demon and last week i joked about shauna giving birth to the jersey, to the devil. jersey devil i now know i kind of hope that happens i know <laughs> what if it pops out with like the the like forked tail and cloven hooves <laughs> exactly. and leathery wings that'd be so fun <laughs> oh, i would love that i would love that but i think so there's a couple of sort of loose topics that I think we can go talk about. And one is the campiness of this and the campiness of Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. Another is the unreliable narrator thing. And then I think also we can talk about like the relevance of this movie now, maybe the, sat- the satanic panic in general, but the campiness of this. So you mentioned something to me last night that I was like, holy shit, the neighbors in this and the neighbors in the TV show that gave us our name, The Watcher. <laughs> Richard Kine and Margot Martindale are, there's no way they are not paying homage or homage to, um, to the cast. Minnie and Roman. Yeah, they totally to are. Minnie and and I mean, a hundred percent. And Mia Farrow is in The Watcher. Which I completely forgot until you sent me an interview today of Mia Farrow talking, promoting The Watchers and talking about Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. I completely forgot that she was in that yeah. in the series. Yeah. The, what are their it, names? I, I feel like I cannot recommend spending your time watching The Watcher, but Margot Martindale and Richard Kind as the neighbors are sort of like amazing comic relief in that awful show. Mm-hmm. Their names are Mo and Mitch, which is not quite Minnie and, and Roman, but it's close enough. Yeah. I love it. I love that like connection that you made. When you think about rosemary's baby being so influential like that's such that's such a good example like Mm -hmm. i think they would have been playing those characters that way whether mia farrow were in the movie or not. oh yeah that's just yeah those characters are super campy but they're also they are unsettling to be so kind of like larger than life and big and in your way yeah in this and also kind of like treating this world as normal yeah and that's what they are in the watcher too like the neighbors are just like really in their business and like Mm -hmm. in a really uncomfortable way i could like start thinking about a lot of connections between those two things and i really don't want to think about the watcher (laughs) i guess maybe people aren't talking much about the watcher because i'm not finding anything that is drawing that that where anybody has made that connection which seems they're trying to forget it yeah exactly more than anything else because it's so obviously what's going on there yeah the main thing for me about this movie was just its obvious connection to the story that i'm still obsessed with that has influenced (laughs) my own my own work i made entire like pieces about the yellow wallpaper but like Mm -hmm. For those that don't, that aren't familiar with the yellow wallpaper as a story um, and didn't have to read it in psych class in like high school, like I did, (laughs) um, it's a story of a woman who is experiencing some sort of emotional break. Um, It's implied that it's a postpartum depression. Her husband, uh, who is a doctor, prescribes a rest cure where she is confined in an attic and has no intellectual stimulation, is not able to read interesting mm-hmm. they he keeps books from her she is a writer he doesn't allow her to read or write and this is supposed to cure her of whatever's going on with her and as um instead what ends up happening is she starts to fully devolve um the wallpaper in the room 
starts to uh, become more alive, which of course it's yellow floral wallpaper. <laughs> and she starts to see a woman trying to get out from behind the wallpaper, um, which is also sort of her. She's like tearing the wallpaper off the walls. She fully loses it. And then, yeah. And he like ends up tying her to the bed basically with a rope. So she will stop sort of peeling the wallpaper off the walls. At the end, it says, um, God, it's so the way she writes this, but here I can creep smoothly on the floor and my shoulder just fits in that long smooch around the wall. So I cannot lose my way. Why there's John at the door There's no use young man. You can't open it. How he does call and pound. Now he's crying for an ax. It would be a shame to break down that beautiful door. John, dear, said I in the gentlest voice, the key is down by the front steps under the plantain leaf. That silenced him for a few minutes. Then he said very quietly, indeed, open the door, my darling. I can't, said I. The key is down by the front door under a plantain leaf. And then I said it again several times, very gently and slowly, and said it so often that he had to go and see. And he got it, of course, and came in. He stopped short by the door. What is the matter? He cried. For God's sake, what are you doing? I kept on creeping just the same, but I looked at him over my shoulder. I've got one out at last, said I, in spite of you and Jane, and I've pulled off most of the paper so it, you can't mm -hmm. put me back. Now, why should that man have fainted? But he did, and right across my path by the wall, so that I had to creep over him every time. Every time. So she does not leave the room. That image of her, because she says, like, with my shoulder, and where she's just like, it's not even crawling. It's like dragging herself around the room. Yes. And so that story, you know, it was written in 1892, but it's seen as an early feminist writing, and it's about a woman who is given basically the exact opposite of what she needs. She's given confinement instead of um, freedom and intellectual stimulation and right. all of that um, and how it affects her. Well, and it's interesting because it obviously those parallels are there, even if you don't see Rosemary's room with the literal yellow wallpaper of, but there's no like Satan or anything. There's no supernatural element really in, or not even really, there's no supernatural element in the yellow wallpaper. Right. It's just a man assuming and telling a woman. A doctor, um, right? A doctor, right, and exactly. A, a, What's in the yellow wallpaper, it's best like, for her. yeah, in the yellow wallpaper, the doctor and the husband are the same person, mm -hmm. right? And so, but yeah, it's about that sort of, um, the power that that person has. And it's also like, it's fully the unreliable narrator story that I, I referenced earlier where, you know, you know that what she's seeing isn't real. Right. But also like, she's, but you know that her like suffering and everything that has caused this is. Yeah. And real, she's the so. protagonist mm -hmm. in it. So I thought that was, especially because of the apartment in the movie, like she paints the apartment white and the only color that we see regularly really is yellow. There's yep. like yellow curtains, yellow blankets, the wallpaper behind her bed has mm -hmm. yellow floral wallpaper on it. Like the yellow wallpaper has also been brought up a number of times by people in reference to yellow jackets. That's why I mm -hmm. kind of made that connection. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. It also reflects that Rosemary so badly wants to have this life that is bright and she just she she wants her baby and she wants her her marriage to like do well and she wants to live her happy little life and she's got this bright yellow everywhere mm -hmm. and it there's still nothing she can do to you know yeah 
They're both about like the powerlessness of the female experience, especially around childbirth and motherhood. Mm -hmm. Um, Because even in the, in the yellow wallpaper, it's never, um, I don't think it's outright said that it's like a postpartum break, but in a lot of the analysis written about it, it seems like that's what the consensus has been. Uh Uh-huh. I believe it. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. If you really, that's one of those ones that if you haven't read because you were assigned it in school and we're stubbornly opposed to reading what you were assigned in school, I'm with you. Um, I think it's, I'll I'll drop a link because it's great. I think it's like the the version that I'm looking at now is not not even 10 pages. Yeah. So there's a quote in it. If a physician of high standing and one's own husband assures friends and relatives that there's really nothing the matter with one, but a temporary nervous depression, a slight hysterical tendency, what is one to do? My brother is also a physician and also of high standing, and he says the same thing. So I take phosphates or phosphites, whatever it is, and tonics and journeys and air and exercise, and I'm absolutely forbidden to work until I am well again. Personally, I disagree with their ideas. Personally, I believe that congenial work with excitement and change would do me good, but what is one to do? And to be fair, this is two women talking about this, neither of whom have had children. (laughs) So (laughs) to be fair, we are missing a piece of the... uh, experience puzzle here yeah i guess that's i guess that's a good point you're right so yeah so i don't know do you think if listeners have listened to this who haven't watched the movie do you think uh would you recommend they go back and watch it even after having all of that spoiled is this is a how did, how did this get made question this is our how did this get made question yeah would you recommend this movie <laughs> um if you're a film person like a film buff and you haven't watched this movie it's worth watching to see all of the what's come of it like all of the movies that reference it all of the movies that it connects with i would say if you're a woman with a traumatic medical history (laughs) maybe you don't need to watch it maybe you already kind of understand the idea kind of get it you get it right so yeah i'm i'm glad i watched it for the purpose of doing this but i can't say i enjoyed it it was information that was interesting and useful to have it was information yeah just watch at your own risk if you're someone like me who uh is sensitive about some of the stuff that's portrayed in the movie um what about you i wouldn't say this is one of the greatest horror movies of all time i think the things that are horrifying about this movie i am horrified by i also think i found a lot of it very funny and not in the way that like i get annoyed with people who watch horror, like old horror movies and laugh at them like oh that's so stupid it looks so fake like that's not what i mean no um it's just like that reveal of that black bassinet with the cross upside down is truly so funny yeah it is and and like i think there are moments like that Mm -hmm. that make it worth watching i think watching minnie and roman do their thing is so genuinely fun especially her Um, Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. The, I think she the, won the, the Academy them, Award for that, actually. Which I think is interesting. I don't know who she was up against. Yeah. Um, but for any horror movie to win an Academy Award, for, like that does not happen very often. Yeah. Um, one little note that I think probably anybody who knows anything about the movie knows this seems like an oft told story is Mia Farrow. She was married to Frank Sinatra, that fucking guy yeah. at the time. Here's a, oh, here's our Jersey connection. Yep. She was married to Frank Sinatra at the time. He didn't want her to do the movie. Rome Plansky said, like, if you do the movie, you'll get the Oscar. Right. And she said, um, so, I mean, that's kind of cool is that like, 
Mia playing this woman who was but she didn't get the Oscar but she didn't but but she still like asserted herself she still yeah. you know what I mean like this is a, a movie about a husband a woman being under the thumb of her husband yeah he served her divorce papers on set on set yeah like an asshole. and Mia was like well Mia was like I'm gonna do this movie but she didn't get the Oscar which isn't to say she shouldn't have done the movie and stayed with Frank like if he's gonna no threaten and no. go forward on a divorce because you did a movie he didn't want you <laughs> like and this movie certainly able... like really really propelled her yeah and i think most people probably i i don't know who again who the nominations and who won that year were um but but i think people tend to think the academy is who messed up there not mia oh yeah she is so good in this movie she is she is she definitely like um holds this interesting line between like very girly youthful sort of like typical victim look with the like mm -hmm. fragility and the blonde hair and the baby doll dresses and all of that with sort of this like kind of iron will under the surface yeah yeah it's a woman who's like aware of what like women the expectation of a woman at at the time was and still like being aware of it and being like not totally able to defy it though like the haircut is a good example of her pushing against mm -hmm. that um but being able to play kind of in both of those at the same time is really um i think it's a, a skillful performance i do think it's interesting also that um the writer of the book has spoken much later about how he has some regrets about the popularity of rosemary's baby because he thinks it helped <laughs> fuel um sort of this like satanist craze but then also like the fundamentalist backlash to it mm, he he has thoughts yeah. about like what rosemary's baby led to that he's not a uh, not thrilled with the results yeah well and especially because i think this idea of like the satanist next door being these like quote unquote nice they're paid in the ass but minnie and roman are for the most part like they're pushy but they're kind on the surface or they're they at least are acting as if they're trying to be kind um and uh, unassuming we, we don't see them that way but but the idea that like a witch or a satanist or whatever could be anywhere mm -hmm. could be your next door neighbor i think is a pretty new idea um with with iris book yeah and apparently it led to like a lot of the movies that followed that picked up on this like satanist mm -hmm. theme like the omen and things like that um yeah i saw an interesting interview with him where he was saying like he had some regrets about what what came after rosemary's baby huh and its popularity so yeah that was rosemary's baby so that was rosemary's baby what do we think about <laughs> shauna's baby oh gosh great uh segue there thank you so much you're welcome okay let's talk about yellow jackets the reunion mm -hmm. oh gosh this week um we got our regular preview mm -hmm. that shows up at the end of the episode from the week before and we also got this little like one minute is that how long it is um, about scene of everybody finally arriving at camp green pine they're all back together thank god i know i know i think the most significant part of that seed is just van's reaction to lottie yeah she is overwhelmed yeah and 
And Lottie also looks like when she's walking towards Van, she almost looks like she has tears in her eyes. It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. It, I wonder what happens in 96 that we haven't seen yet that because we know that that van is seems to be a true believer mm -hmm. in 96 anyway of lottie but i don't know that that is enough of a what we have so far is enough to garner that kind of reaction totally totally i i do think especially that... when we saw her reaction to ty for the first time right which was a little smaller yeah i think than this yeah right? no for sure yeah she doesn't seem she was shocked to see ty but it was more like Oh God, like what now? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But she was really kind of stopped in her tracks by seeing Lottie. So, mm -hmm. and we hear the creepy music that always plays when something's mm -hmm. coming and, you know, Lottie's like silhouetted against the mountain and lake. Um, so I'm interested to see that reunion and also like what that interaction between the two of them is like. Yeah. Do you think the show is going to do the thing? Is that the last minute of episode six or do you think they'll still pull kind of a fast one on us and give that to us up top because everybody's pretty close at this point other than well i guess that's not true because we don't know how do we know how shauna gets there no because yeah. we, okay. in that episode we also i think have her at the police station oh right she's going to hide out maybe yeah so i think that <laughs> my guess is that most of the episode is shauna's birth scene mm -hmm. interspersed maybe with the police station and them kind of making their way to Lottie and then the end of the episode is probably them all getting together because you know yeah. it's been widely widely reported that this is the episode of this season that is like the most difficult the most emotional the most mm -hmm. like everything and so all of that would be the birth scene right right um so. I'm also really just excited to see Misty in a cult. I think she's going to do great. <laughs> I think so, too. I think she's Look out. floating around, just having a good time, making baskets oh, and oh, yeah. drinking Kool-Aid, whatever she, whatever. She's, she's ready. Yeah, she is ready. Look out for the black and white Nikes yeah. as a reference to my favorite cult. The Heaven's Gate cult is so funny. Yeah, which is funny because it's it implies that Van is arriving very, like, skeptical and as soon as right. she sees lottie something happens yeah that's a good point whether it's fear or in like interest or memories or whatever but something happens when she sees her and it's not like she didn't i i can't assume she doesn't or i don't assume she doesn't know where they're going right like, no yeah knows... ty says vans is dropping me off yeah so and so she had to anticipate the possibility of seeing lottie at least but it's still whatever's going on there is really powerful to her yeah yeah she seems shocked i am so i literally had uh, my friend alicia message me this morning she's like what do we think is gonna happen with shauna's baby <laughs> i was like i don't know man i don't I have any information i'm know. just talking about it it'll be so <laughs> it'll be so funny if i was right i'm not gonna be right but about the, hysteric, the hysterical pregnancy oh man i'm not I... gonna be right because you know why i think i'm wrong I think I'm wrong because I now with that in my brain, every time I watch an interview and they talk about Shauna's baby, they talk about it so naturally and so casually that it's like there is a baby. Now, right. that could be sort of like just the way they've decided to talk about it. But that mm -hmm. seems very conspiracy theory-esque to me right? Yeah, in my own brain to yeah. start being like, they're all talking about it like there's a baby, but maybe there is no baby. I don't know what I think is going to happen and I don't know what I 
want to happen. I don't think I want to see an actual this <laughs> here's something really brave of me to admit. I don't think I want to see an actual baby die on this show. No, I don't think I do either. And I don't think it's I just don't think it's that kind of show. But any other explanation I know is is outlandish because our other options are Hysterical pregnancy, like you said, which I think is fucking cool. I love the idea. Again, we, the we only talk... reason I'm still holding on to that is because it solves the problem of having a dead baby on a show. Yeah, and it also ties Shauna to the wilderness and darkness because she's gonna. If Shauna goes into birth and doesn't actually deliver a baby, then there's some other delivery happening there, and then that further that makes even more ambiguous the supernatural, rational, whatever we want to call it, divide. Mm. Um, that that I think is really interesting, especially with Lottie's stuff saying like, you're going to change everything, blah, blah, blah. Like, but I, I still think I'm wrong. <laughs> I just, but I want you to be right. I, I, think, I still think I'm wrong. I do think you're that it, that is highly unlikely. But again, if we're just looking at the options here, options are baby is born and at some point becomes dead. Mm-hmm. Baby is stillborn, which again is also a rough, even for a show like this. I just think it's, I know. And especially when so much has been made of this baby's birth, hysterical pregnancy, like you said, uh, Jersey Devil born on foreign soil possibility yeah. it's yeah. a possibility I mean what are our other options that the baby is born like I said and it survives and and survives and makes it off which again is another possibility and also unlikely yeah I think you and I seem to think it's more unlikely than the general consensus I think a lot of people are um yeah, there's a lot of like Woods Baby is X discourse still, but I don't know how much of that is serious anymore. Well, well, or not even just Wood ba- Woods Baby is X, but that Woods Baby is going to show up in right. 2021, even if not as a character we've already met. I think it's very unlikely that the baby survived. Um, but that's why I keep like chewing on this in my brain, because the idea that a show that has scenes as funny as Jeff rocking out to Papa Roach in his car and Misty performing a scene from Steel Magnolias is going to also force us to deal with like a visible quote unquote corpse of a baby. Like, are, are we drawing a kind of line that other, because it also, this is also, again, I mean, they ate Jackie. I know they, this. They but. ate, they ate Jackie. Cannibalism is part of it. So it's, what if, okay, the way that we dealt with the cannibalism scene was by turning it into a sort of hallucinatory Greco-Roman feast, mm-hmm. right? So what if we don't actually see a baby be born, right? but we see like this mass hallucination that they create to deal with it? Because if they're dealing with the worst things that happen out there and the worst things they do by imagining... And they can absolutely show it to us that way so that it's not shown directly on screen. Yeah, Maybe because does... they did show them eating Jackie, but it was mostly the fake feast where well, they're actually eating like strawberries. And... and we're supposed to look at cannibalism as not the worst thing that has happened on that is going to happen out there. Right. Or at least that that moment of cannibalism. And yeah. so it makes sense that we would almost said get to see as if it's a nice reward for us but so it makes sense that it would show it to us in part and that the thing that is much worse and if that is the death of this baby um would be something that we never actually see on screen and all we see is their collective this collective hallucination that is the way that they're all choosing to deal with it and then and especially because like we talked about um a couple of weeks ago that like the show doesn't for the most part when it comes to the like 
stuff out in 96 in particular isn't hiding anything from us in a way where it's like there are things we don't know yet just because they haven't happened yet Mm -hmm. um that have been hinted toward but the stuff that's ambiguous for us is also ambiguous for the girls for the most part right and so it if they have also blocked out the actual memory of what they've done and replaced it right with some other or whatever they could also keep it from us in a way that would feel I mean, that would feel kind of true to the way that exactly. the show has been exactly. going so far. Huh. Jody, that is really <laughs> smart and something I hadn't thought of. And now as soon as you say it, I'm like... It just came when we were talking do. about it. Because like, <laughs> well, because I was thinking about the... When I said, like, this is not a... Sh- this is a show that I can't imagine showing us something so awful as a dead baby. But they did show them... <laughs> cannibalism is Engaging in cannibalism, which is pretty <laughs> fucking awful. Yeah. And they showed it to us in a very specific way that made it simultaneously still awful, but also like watchable for people who don't really want to watch that, right. like me. I also think the show there, there. I've seen people talk about, so I know it's something that even if the show isn't directly hinting at this, is allowing for the possibility of. Look at how much distance I'm putting between what I'm about to say. Allowing for the possibility of considering the idea that they might. <laughs> consume the baby um and so there's no there is no universe where that happens i think i don't think and, so but no. because of that because there is a shadow of it somewhere anything less than that is better and more deal with bull mm-hmm. and what could have happened yeah which is maybe they eat the baby right? right so if we've got that in the back of our head and what actually happens is we never see a living baby become <laughs> no longer living yes and no baby is consumed then kind of i now in just over the course of this little conversation have decided that kind of anything could happen at that point with those two caveats in mind right and i mean i think it's entirely possible that we don't see a baby at all yeah exactly like the hallucination takes over and we don't we see some hallucinated version of what they imagine the child is or was you know are there any yeah yeah and it could be like, I just keep thinking, like, what if it's, like, a baby deer? Like, I don't I, know. They keep I, using animal symbolism. Baby, wait. Baby deer was absolutely the um, <laughs> creature I was thinking, too. Um, are, so what we know that, like, different people talk a lot about, like, um, the different yellow jackets having um, associations with different animals out in the mm-hmm. wilderness, you know? Like, um, obviously, the, the, uh, or the obvious ones are, like, Nat and the white moose and um van and the wolves well in present day ty sees wolves a lot and like doesn't lottie see the deer oh sean is gonna give birth to a rabbit you think yeah i think that makes sense actually not to say that um shauna is gonna give literal birth to a rabbit right but but again we we've also seen that the group has kind of made this pregnancy so much more about them than about shauna yeah and so i become extremely symbolic of like some sort of hope and something coming to them. Yeah. And I could totally see the show. I just would not be surprised if what we see next week is some sort of birth scene that is so overshadowed by something much bigger and more um, 
ritualistic isn't the word I want in this sense because I think we were using it specifically in a way for yellow jackets so I just wouldn't be surprised if then what we see is like maybe Shauna holding a little baby rabbit or mm-hmm. or, or even like I could see like suddenly there's a rabbit and it goes like hopping off into the woods and we don't know what that signifies like there's yep. a lot that could happen yep but exactly. I would be but now my money is on some sort of rabbit imagery I think that that is a solid theory because I could see them also like it's becoming spring like what if they quote unquote see a rabbit in the woods that like then becomes a sacrifice Mm -hmm. like and we don't actually know like is it a rabbit what's happening so i don't know i think we cracked it i think we cracked it is it friday yet i know i know i was just counting days like sunday okay we got we're almost there not really and then no we're not almost there at all and then for our listeners though when they hear this on tuesday we'll be almost there almost there if you're in the Philly area, May 5th and 6th, I have nothing to do with it, but Sing Us Home Fest is happening. It's Dave Hawes and bands that uh, that I love very much and I'm, I'm friends of the Tisburys and Catbite and Drive-By Truckers and Craig um, from The Hold Steady and Aww. a bunch of other people. Yeah, it's going to be a, a great little weekend. And then if you're in the New York area, beautiful Cononymous, the beautiful Anonymous mm-hmm. convention, May 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. May 5th and 6th, those nights... Um, two really incredible comedy shows with comedians that uh if you're a listener to new jersey is the world you'll be did i talk about this last week you'll be familiar with i don't remember um, franco danger who is our mr connecticut and nick fierro who plays our jersey devil and um uh christy cello who's actually never done anything with new jersey's world because she's from rhode island i think jody really um, she might be from massachusetts but she's a new englander and she's so 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 funny Aww. but then also joe firestone and roy wood jr oh and it is incredible. insane the lineup for those. Hilarious. Oh, she's the best. Yeah. So um, um, incredible lineup, those two nights of comedy shows. And you don't need to have be a listener, beautiful, anonymous to enjoy those shows. Yes. Uh, I also have two one... plugs for things that have nothing to do with me. But yeah, I also have one podcast recommendation. Um, I listened to it this morning. Interestingly, um, it's an older episode of The Waves, which is a Slate podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like their feminist podcast um, oh, the waves that's a good name yeah um and so the episode i listened to was from february 16th i'd kind of been like meaning to listen to it and been saved in my podcasts but it's called um the inherent fear in being a woman Ooh. and it's actually interestingly enough it's about um a book that came out i guess in february by an author named erica berry called wolfish wolf self and the stories we tell about fear Ooh. yeah so I feel like our our Yellow Jackets friends might be interested in that book also. It's about like the experience of the fear of being a woman, but also as it relates to stories about wolves specifically and takes like Little Red Riding Hood as one of its like inspirations. It's really, it sounded really, really good. I liked the interview a lot. So uh, maybe check that interview out and then see if the book sounds interesting. That's very cool. We should start a book club, which is what I say on all of my podcasts. <laughs> I love that. Check that out. I'll drop links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. So mm-hmm. lots of links. Oh, hey, we got a review. Oh my god, <laughs> we should share because I said that if you sh- if you write a review on um, Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts, that we'd share them on the show. Yeah, so we got we got a rating. Um, it's from Frey Adjacent, and they said fun and insightful convos. One of my favorite podcasts discussing Yellow Jackets. Glad I found it. Yay. Thank you. Yeah, 
that makes me so happy. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Um, if you didn't listen this week uh, because you didn't watch Rosemary's Baby, you don't know that I'm <laughs> thanking you. Or you don't know that we're thanking you, but yeah. But we are thankful nonetheless. I feel like, I feel like Andrea and I would do this regardless of whether people are listening or not. Just <laughs> have an excuse to talk about this show. But uh, it's always nice to know that, that we're not just talking to ourselves. Yeah, I have not even looked no, at the numbers. I so know. I know that we have at least at least one person. And people, a handful of people have been very nice on, on Reddit and social media. So I know that a few people are listening at the very least. And it means a lot. It does. Um, thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah. And Jody, Andrea... I think, I think I this, think this is, is it. it. I think now we have to wait for Friday. I think this. Ugh. I know. I know. I guess that's it for us. So, like, rate, oh, review, yes. subscribe, follow us at Watchers Pod NJ on Twitter and Instagram. Shoot us an email with your theories. Let us know if you watched Rosemary's Baby because of us. Let us know if you're mad at us. Yeah, I would be so interested to hear from other first-time watchers of this like classic yeah. of cinema. If they had similar yeah, reactions to, to me or you or both of us. Shoot us an email, watcherspotnj at gmail.com. If, uh, yeah, you've got thoughts. We'd love to hear them. We would. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. See you in the woods.